letter of Philippians chapter 1, and I will read verse 3 through 11. So verses 3 through 11, Philippians chapter 1. And as soon as I'm, as soon as I'm finished reading, Conway uh, will come to the pulpit. Verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you, for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who, who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Philippians Chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. So since I'm very <clears throat> experienced, you'll probably be happy today. And uh, like Greg said, I think I've, I've been, I need Christ every nanosecond. <laughs> Not every hour. And so, I, you know, I just don't know why I should get nervous with the word, but sometimes things happen. I was going to speak today prayer for believers. Um, who is involved in, in praying? Um, believers who are saved through the faith in the complete sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus died for all the sins of mankind. In John 1, 29, the next day, John seeth Jesus coming to him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a part of God's spiritual family. John 1.12, I think, says, I think my mind gets kind of tangled up. My, my, my mind just go to John chapter 1.12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. That he gave them the right, the authority to uh, become one of his. To those who believe or trust in his name. I think sometimes we kind of get mixed up on the word believe, but a lot of times in the in the in the New Testament, believe means a trust. You know, because I can believe the space shuttle will go up in the, around the Earth, but will I get on it? 
I believe it will, but not for me. I didn't trust it. Because there is accidents happen. As you all know, when, when it exploded. So when it's talking about belief, that means that you accept and trust to what God said. So also in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So that he, for he is God, hath made Jesus to be the sacrifice for us. And that part, last part of the verse really puzzles me because I don't feel righteous as God or the righteousness of God. But I think that's positional. That's later on when our bodies are resurrected and we have a new body, one like Christ. For example, as a parent to their children, so God to his children. Uh, the believer is a person that's created in the image of God, thus God is a person. We can have a personal relationship with God because we're in his image. So I think the prerequisite for believers is to make sure you're grounded in the faith and in the trust of Jesus Christ's sacrificial death for you. What is prayer? Well, I'm going to trust uh, Strong. I think he says over 300 verses in the Bible about prayer. So it would take the whole time up if I read all the verses or even <laughs> looked up all the verses to, for you to read. So I don't think we have time for that. The Greek word for prayer has the meaning simply to communicate to a God or gods. You know, that's a, a blank definition. Now, the biblical definition would be how we relate and communicate with the Trinity, with God the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. This is a spiritual communication primary to God the Father. Jesus told us to pray in the Father. Now, there are some places in the Bible where uh, there were some exceptions to that in the epistles. I think Paul said, Lord, what would you have me to do? He didn't say, God the Father, what would Jesus have me to do? Uh, there's other times when people addressed uh, Christ. Uh, prayer involves many elements. It includes confession. You know, before you come to God, we need to be clean. Now, you know, you can't say, Lord, I just uh, lied to somebody, but I want you to listen to my prayer. You say, Lord, you know what I did was wrong. I need to get clean. My feet need washing. Then we bring our petitions to him. That's another element. We petition God <clears throat> for our needs, for other items of, of, of our interest, and try to keep it in the framework of God's will. And adoration. Say, God, look, you are worthy. I'm not. And that's why I'm coming to you, because you are to be loved unconditionally. No thought after thought about that. And praise him. Do you know God did not have to send Jesus Christ to the cross to save us? He was not obligated to bring anyone to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We also have an element of thanksgiving. 
And I got real convicted, and, and I still can't remember. I, I read a sign some, did you remember to thank God for everything you had yesterday, for today? And I got to think, I said, did I thank God for my home, my salvation, my wife, my children, my property? God has kept me from avoiding accidents circumstantially. You know, do we thank God of what we already have? Most of the time you'll find most of these elements in the, in the book of Psalms, and we don't, we don't read the whole book of Psalms today. And um, we have an attitude toward the Father is vital. That's another element. What is your attitude? Like you owe me something? You say, God, I request and I, I, I ask. You know, I humbly come to you and ask you for, for help. I need some help. It's very vital that we acknowledge who he is and what we are and what he's made us to become through Christ. But we should have that unconditional trust and love when praying to him at any time. Prayer should be mainly spiritual in nature. You know, it's okay. I mean, it didn't say that's primary, but it didn't say pray, look, Lord, I got a headache. You know, you, know, you heal people in the New Testament. You heal people that were lame. You heal people that were sick. And you cast out demons in people. At this day and time, we don't hear too much about demon possession, but we can get oppressed. I think Christians can be oppressed by demonic powers. I don't think they can possess a Christian because it's not enough room in your heart to move the Holy Spirit over for the demons to get inside. Another thing we have to watch out for, and, and it's hard, we might not realize what we're doing to, to manipulate God. You try to coach God into doing something. Lord, you know, you ought to really help me. Lord, you know this situation is bad, and I know you will do it for me. Now, yes and no, but don't manipulate God. He doesn't like to be manipulated. He'll manipulate you, <laughs> but not him. Also, when we pray, it should not be to impress people. You know, it's so hard to not do that because you, you don't want people to think, well, he doesn't know how to pray. He didn't pray exactly right. Did he say the right words? Uh, you know, they, they were, he was told to say certain, certain things in the church and he didn't do it. You know, the Pharisees had that problem. They stood in their robes and stood outside and prayed long prayers and, you know, just made people look at them. They probably just looked earnest and had big expressions all over their face. But uh, public prayer was not, the, was not told not to be done. We need to pray publicly. Paul did. Jesus prayed. People heard him. We have to watch out the length, but our prayer should be on the occasion of praying. Why should we be praying now? What is the thing in the corporate prayer? What is our needs of our church, our family? those extended families. So, but you don't have to sit there with long, long prayers. Just get to the point what needs to be said in a corporate prayer. 
Now, some people may disagree, and that's fine. I mean, it's, I don't know how long Paul prayed. It's like he, I, did, I don't read his long prayers. But he got to the point and, you know, said, Lord, this is what we need. And I, I hope you'll hear our prayer. We su submit unto you with a help. Christians should be aware of unanswered prayer. And it shouldn't cause any frustration. Have you ever been frustrated? You said, Lord, I prayed 10 years for this thing. Well, I prayed three weeks. I prayed my stomach hurts, and it just will not quit. And you told me to come to you with all I need. And I tell you what, I need to feel better. I can't function. So you get frustrated. And you say, well, why do I keep praying? But when, when you pray that way, it, does, it means... God may be delaying that prayer to see if you really want it. Do you really want what you're asking? Didn't Jesus ask the person when he was uh, sick or blind? He said, what do you want? Now, Jesus knew what he wanted. But God wanted to see if you really wanted it. Do, do you want his will for your life? And if it's in his will, please heal me. And also may mean that it's harmful. <clears throat> when I was teaching the sixth grade, near Christmas time, I told the kids, I said, I know what you're praying. You probably want that brand new bicycle you saw in the store. And it, I mean, man, you prayed. You said, Lord, I'll dedicate my life to you. I'll do, as a kid, you know, I don't know what that dedication would be. And boy, you kind of hinted around. Your mom and daddy knew it. And, Everybody in the neighborhood knew it, and God definitely knew you wanted a bicycle. I said, you really want that bicycle? I said, Christmas morning, you jump up, you say, well, I know I'm going to get my bicycle this morning. So you run, they run to the Christmas tree, and there's a baseball bat, a glove, and the girl may got a, a new fancy doll, a little tea set, they said, well, where's my bicycle? I told him, I said, you know what? Since God is omnipotent and omniscient, omnipresent, he knows everything, every possible situation that could happen. He knew that if you got that bicycle this particular time this year, that a car would probably hit you when you crossed the road because you did not see the car coming. So God loved you enough not to let you get what you thought you wanted. God gave you what you needed. And I tried to emphasize that, that they would uh, trust the Lord in their prayer life. We do have examples of unanswered prayer in the Bible, and surprisingly, you say, well, Jesus prayed. Did you know his prayer was not answered? He said, Lord, is there some other way that you can make a sacrifice or some other way to redeem mankind. I, I can see, of course, he's God, the son. He could foresee the pain probably before it happened. He could see the excruciating prop, uh, soldiers hollering at him, people making fun of him and everything. And he said, but not my will, but thine be done. So, you know, Jesus went through that. How much more so should we not be disappointed if God doesn't answer our prayer? 
Then Paul, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Now we don't know what it is. Some people say blindness, some humpback, some, that's several things that people say that Paul had wrong with him. And he prayed, was it three times I believe. And God outright told him to hush. <laughs> if you're from Edgecombe, Nash and Wilson, he just said hush. My grace is sufficient for you. You need that thorn because you may get really elevated and get very proud that you went to the third heaven and you could really wax eloquent around people. Look, I had the opportunity. He said, I'm going to keep that thorn in your flesh to humble you for your good and for the good of other people. So two, two of the big people in the Bible, of course, Jesus is the greatest, you know that, but Paul, who's considered the greatest Christian I think we've ever known, was refused a request. So that actually gives us some hope that God knows best. Was it, well, it used to be a program, Father Knows Best? Well, the God, the Father does know best for us. We should uh, be aware that no matter the outcome of prayer, God the Father is a loving Father and is concerned for us. God's concerned for everything, but he's concerned for us intimately. We are family. We're not just creatures of God. We are children of God. Unsaved people, yes. They're creatures of God, made in his image, marred. But they're not in the family in a spiritual way. Something else that comes across us about prayer and it's the devil, they call it, Satan. He's very active in trying to distract Christians from praying. Have you ever noticed that you say, well, I need to pray, but I got to be in town in 20 minutes, and I'll pray this afternoon. That afternoon you come up, the telephone rings. Well, I'll pray at a... Uh, well, supper time, I don't, I'm Southern, so we had to supper like the Lord's Supper. At supper time, you say, well, I pray. And then you, oh, my favorite TV program is coming on. The devil is throwing all these distractions out there. He will totally discourage you. And all I know to tell you to do is say, Lord, you know I failed you in prayer, and I want you to help me overcome the satanic attacks, the demonic attacks on my prayer life. And if he can't get you on that, he'll use another approach. He will accuse you of failure. He said, do you really believe God's gonna listen to you after what you just said to somebody? You remember last week when you <clears throat> said some unkind words to someone? Had a little road rage? <clears throat> You don't even act like a Christian. You think God's going to listen to you? God likes clean vessels. What's wrong with you? You're just beyond help and hope. Why don't you just leave the prayer alone? Because God's not going to listen to you anyway. You're just wasting your time. So Christians get discouraged when asking amiss also. Now, we, we're responsible a lot of times. We blame the devil for some things that I fault. 
we'll ask something amiss. Lord, can I win the lottery? Now, you know that's not right. That's stealing from somebody else. You're getting all these groups of people throwing money in, and you steal it all in agreement. But it's still thievery. You didn't earn that money. But you said, well, Lord, but I could give the church 20%. Man, I, I know we've got a new building project coming up. I'll even give 30% if you let me lend, win that million dollars. And it might be for other selfish reasons. You know, I want what I want, no matter if it hurts me or not later, or if it hurts my family or hurts people. And you know good and well God is not going to answer that kind of prayer. He still loves you, but his answer is no, and you need to uh, examine what you're praying for. Well, when do we pray? You know, some people think you have to be in a particular place, a church, or, or in the home somewhere. But a good example uh, to pray, like Jesus when he was facing the cross. If you've got something horrible coming up in your life, that's when you need to really pray. You know, say you got a loved one in the hospital and things don't look too well. That's a crucial period in your life. That's one time where you really need to pray. Sometimes I, met, I imagine God lets things happen to us that way so we will come to him. Because God wants fellowship with us, true fellowship. And the only way he can get it sometimes is to let bad things come along so we'll talk to him. And you know, that's a bad way to look at it, but that's the way it is. Well, Christians will also face fear and worry. You know, I can't do anything about the situation. God didn't answer my prayer, and we just fear, and we pray for, we just pray for deliverance, and we just don't get what we want from prayer. I think in uh, James 5:13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. So we need to pray that God will take away our worries and fear. Because a loving God is not going to do any unloving thing to his children in the sense of loving them. You know, my Dad loved me, I think, I hope. But boy, he blistered me pretty good. I mean, he got me where I really didn't want to get at odds with my dad. He was a farmer, and I mean, he was strict. But he didn't do it. He was trying to teach me not to do wrong things. And I think that lesson uh, settled with me there for a while, a long while. And one of the reasons is, of course, I think some of the stuff is mixed together, is why should we pray? Or why should we pray? You know, so, well, God knows the end from the beginning. He knows exactly what we're going to say and do tomorrow. He's at yesterday like the day hasn't happened yet. I said, why should I pray? You think about it. Why should you pray? 
He said, well, if it might not be God's will, he's not going to answer it. Or, and he already knows what I need, so I don't have to worry about it. He'll take care of me. Well, one thing you should consider that all through the Bible, people prayed. You got the Bible example of, of prayer throughout the scripture. And their prayers were answered. Some were not answered like they asked, but they were answered. What if we pray for Peter to be released? <laughs> they didn't believe their own prayer. God answered that prayer when they were praying and when they were together. They said, his ghost must be outside. We don't believe Peter's in jail. I said, well, what were you praying for? What were you praying for him to get released? The prayers were answered. And I don't know what theological term that would be, divine concurrence, uh, you and God participate or whatever, because you know God is the supreme. But I think he wants us to participate in answering our prayer. That's why we need to pray. The second reason we ought to look at prayer, why we should pray, is that we are commanded to pray. Not just because you feel like it, you are commanded to pray. Now, I know sometimes when you get deathly sick or you have a bad, sorrowful thing happening to you, you, you need somebody else to pray for you. You just can't focus. You're upset. But we're commanded. First Thessalonians says, pray without ceasing. What does that mean to pray without ceasing? It don't mean to get in your car and take your hands off the steering wheel and say, dear Lord, help me have a safe trip home. Well, I'll end up in a ditch or wrapped around a tree somewhere. It just means in your thought life, have a focus and conscious on who God is as your Heavenly Father. Ask Him to help you to focus on, uh, on Him. A third reason, maybe, not maybe, but, uh, but the prayer of a righteous person and we hope that we are righteous through our confession and praise of God it says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective it works that's why we should pray because it works I mean when your children ask you something do you turn them away every time they ask you for something now, if they, if they come to the dinner table and they say, well, Dad, can I have three scoops of ice cream before I eat my green beans and, you know, kale and all that other you don't let them have that because you love them. But you give them what they needed. And they say, well, you can have ice cream after you eat your spinach. <laughs> so a prayer is effective when, you, when your children ask you for something. I think James 5, 16, turn back to James 5, 16, says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So we need to pray because we want the righteousness that God gives us to be effective in our lives by keeping our lives clean. And who doesn't have to pray constantly, Lord, forgive me for my sins? Most people think because I did something outwardly. But, you know, you can have bad thoughts all day long. 
You can entertain stuff you shouldn't entertain. We constantly need to come clean with, uh, with the Lord. And another reason we should pray is it empowers us to get the full armor of God. We need protection, you know. In uh, Ephesians chapter 6, 11 through 18, it gives all the equipment we need to be a successful Christian. And another reason is the Lord definitely desires us to communicate with him. That's why we pray. I mean, what if your children never talk to you? <laughs> when you feel kind of strange, they never said, hey, Dad, or, hey, Mom, I, I thank you for cooking my meal today. Did they do that? <laughs> Probably unusual because you might not cook what they want, but, but if, what if they never communicated with you? Unless they really wanted something bad. I want to go play with Bob. I want to go play with, with Jill. You don't want to turn them away. You want them to talk to you. I mean, I don't like for my kids to say something to me. They, of course, mine's one of them so far away, I don't get to talk to him too much. But God wants us to fellowship with him. How do we pray? With patience and persistence. I think in the Bible it mentioned the righteous, uh, this unjust judge or maybe a, a non-believing judge was hounded by this woman who kept wanting to, him to answer her need. And he went, she went daily and daily out of while the judge said, you know what? I don't think what he said, I don't need to trust the Lord or anything else, but this woman is driving me crazy. Give her what she wants. Another example is um, a more a closer to us is a mother had prayed for her son to get saved for 35 years. Now, she was practicing what the Bible said. She was continued continued to pray and persistent, and but she died and her son was not saved. Uh, later on in her Bible. I guess her son was the one or someone else found the letter addressed to the son. After he had seen the letter, he asked the Lord to save him. So we should look to the Lord that way. Maybe some things I'm asking for for a relative and it never happens. But I kept on. And God might answer prayer after you are gone. We should pray too in, in specifics. And that's good to say, Lord, bless our missionaries and bless our church and our members and you know, bless other churches around us. You need to say, Lord, Crossroads Baptist Church has got some members in there that's sick. And mention each individual name that you can recall. Oh, Lord, our, our country is in bad shape. We need to pray for the president. And pray hard for other members of Congress and the Supreme Court. And all these other leaders we have. 
I think we can also examine the model prayer, you know, our Father which art in heaven. We know that from Matthew 6, 9 through 13. We'll give you a kind of a platform of a prayer example. Notice how the prayer, it begins with God's will and it ends up with God's will. And that's, that's not the only prayer, but it's a suggestion how to stay within the framework of praying. I think another method is, is to pray the scriptures. You memorize those scriptures, you understand their meaning and apply what you've heard was taught from the word. For example, Psalm 19:14, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Now you know you're praying right. <laughs> you're praying scripture. And you can pray the other ones. Maybe you're sad or things are not going right. Psalm 23, the Lord is. I don't mean you possess God, he possesses you, but in a sense, he is my shepherd. I have no need outside of what his will is for my life. Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? Now, that's two inter some interpretations on the, on the shadow of death. Some believe that you're passing from this life to the next, but death is a shadow. It don't affect you. You know, I could hit a cue with my fist and a shadow could go across your head. Do you feel it? Now, lost people, they don't have Jesus to go with them through the shadow. They don't have a shadow. They die. And they die eternally. But you pray these scriptures. Say, Lord, even if I'm sick and I'm not going to make it, you're with me. Your rod and your staff, it will guide me. And just begin to look at scriptures that fit your meaning. They don't just grab a verse somewhere, you know, that's not fitting what you want to pray about. But find a verse that has meaning for you. And then you know that you're in the right direction of praying to God the Father. So memorize it. Understand what the word is saying. Likewise, the three rules is... Content, context, and overall interpretation of the scripture around the verse. And that way you know what you're praying about in the scripture. Now I know I'm real long-winded, so hang on. Nah. My conclusion for the prayer life of a believer is to know that it's essential commanded, required by the Lord, and that it's in God's will that you pray. Shouldn't you commit to follow the Lord in this area of your prayer life or in the area of prayer, that aspect that we have as Christians? Let's pray. Father God, I know that scripture contains a whole lot of material about prayer. But I pray I just wanted to give a synopsis of 
generally what we need to know to begin our prayer journey. And I pray that we would be blessed and that you would edify and strengthen us to do the things that are right and to come to you in prayer, faith and believing and trusting that you would take us on the journey that we need to take in praying and accepting your answer according to your will. So today help us to commit to saying at least we'll have a prayer time in the morning or afternoon in a specific way and help us to be conscious of you throughout the day and call on you when we need you as we move along, driving, working, playing, whatever we're doing. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us through Jesus Christ. And we ask this because of who he is and what he's done for us. Amen.